we are not called to be peacekeepers. We are not called to be peacekeepers. Especially in the way that the world talks about peacekeeping. Keeping the peace, it's kind of a funny concept when you think about it. If there's already peace, what do you have to do to keep it? It's already there. There's no need to keep peace. And actually what that means a lot of times is that we are kind of suppressing anything that could be negative, suppressing anything that hurt so that we keep the peace. And that's not what God has in store when he talks about being peacemakers. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm the oldest of six kids. So my family, growing up, you know, we, we have, uh, I've got one of my sisters here right now. Uh, I have two biological siblings and then three adopted siblings. Uh, the youngest are, are all adopted. And um, being the oldest of six, I, for whatever reason, had a personality and just a temperament where I felt like I needed to be that peacekeeper. I needed to keep things light and keep things fun and keep, keep things happy. Um, my, the sister that is closest to me, that's in between Amanda and myself, um, she, she had a rebellious streak. And so as she kind of hit eighth grade or so, um, it was really hard in our house because she, um, she took so much of my parents' attention. She was negative. She was hurtful um, in, in, in many instances. Um, and it was, it was hard on me. Um, just dealing with that and having this atmosphere where I was feeling like I had to do everything right by her or else she was going to blow up. She was going to do something that was going to hurt me. Um, it escalated to the point where, you know, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to get involved. I wanted to help. I wanted to help my parents. And so this one night, I, um, you know, ratted my sister out. She was doing... Um, something that my parents didn't want her to do. Uh, and it, there was a huge blow-up, and um, that night, my, my sister, um, she, she attempted suicide. And she was, um, it, it was... It was a moment that rocks a person. Um, and what that did is that it instilled in me a immense fear of conflict an immense fear that if I was honest with somebody about how I was feeling or honest with someone about what was going on in their life, that I actually wasn't keeping the peace and I was instead inciting negative reactions. And so what that did is it created in me some walls. So my heart's over here and truly feeling what I needed to feel was possible. But instead, I put walls up. I put walls up and said, no, conflict isn't good. Trying to, trying to walk out conflict isn't good because negative things are going to happen. That followed me into my marriage where trying to have any conversation that I thought may incite a negative reaction out of my wife, I didn't have those conversations. It limited how close tender could be. What I was doing was I wasn't keeping I was wound-keeping. And it's not what God intends. God intends for us to actually address those wounds and be peacemakers. So when we look at the last three preaches, I just felt like God 
had this this concept of peacemaking that he really wanted to kind of cover all of the last three weeks. Three weeks ago, Russ Doty preached on just how we have freedom through kingdom-centered relationships. And he talked about the biblical examples in Matthew 18 of how to how to take on conflict, how to go to a brother when someone has sinned against you. Um, he talked about how, you know, just godly ways to facilitate forgiveness in your life. And then God put it on my heart two weeks ago to talk about rejoicing always, but not just rejoicing in the, like, happy sense of the term, but rejoicing even when our circumstances are negative. And last week, Andy had a great message on the yoke of the Lord and how often we choose to just carry this heaviness with us and choose a single-laden yoke versus a dual-laden yoke that has us on one side and Jesus on the other side just taking our, our yoke, taking the pressure, taking the hurt, taking the weight from us and saying, I've got gotcha. you. And so it's with that that I want us to approach this theme of, of peacemaking because it, it relates to all these last messages. And if we're not actively looking at being a peacemaker, then we unintentionally a lot of times are actually allowing wounds to mature and wounds to stay. So today we're going to talk about Matthew 5, 9. And it just says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Greek word peacemaker in this, in this verse, Irei Nepoio, is used once in the Bible. Just once. This is the only place where it is used in the Bible. And it simply means promoting peace. But this isn't a superficial peace. This is not just a quiet. This is a supernatural peace. This is a peace that can only be found in God. It's not the worldly definition of freedom from disturbance that is so often based on our circumstances. It instead is a peace that transcends understanding, a peace that says it is well with my soul. John 14, 27 says, this is Jesus speaking, and he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your heart, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I almost read that as let your heart be troubled. I'm like, I need to redo this whole message. <laughs> That's, that doesn't sound right. Um, his peace, a peace that he attained by defeating the grave the peace that we have and the peace that we can instill in others. And so when we talk about peacemaking throughout this message, I hope that there's a very obvious why behind it. Because if we are truly peacemakers and we're looking for things that we can instill peace and make others feel the peace of Jesus, we're actually living out that verse where it says, you will love your neighbor as yourself. God wants this church to be an outwardly facing church. But he also wants the people healthy in this church so we can be an outwardly facing church. Now, one of our key pillars is a demonstrative love for the lost, and it's something that we've talked about a lot. We had a team meeting last week, and it was one of the things that we realized that we want to be better in this area. We want to figure out ways that we can touch those who do not yet know Jesus. But we have to, A get healthy ourselves, be pure of heart, and we're going to talk about that, and B, 
we have to intentionally be peacemakers in our lives. So when we look at the whole Beatitudes, um, the whole first section of, Matthew's, of Matthew 5, for those of you who may not know, the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount is really Jesus' first real preach. And he starts with these Beatitudes. And I'm going to read through all of them just so we can see the emphasis that he puts on uh, blessed are the peacemakers versus other Beatitudes. So Matthew 5, 3-10. I'm just going to read all, all of these eight verses. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness', righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So I want to better emphasize the for they part of these Beatitudes. You know, it's very easy to say, okay, yeah, you're blessed if you have all of these eight things. And that's what normally we focus on. Those are the, like, the if part of the sentence. And that's what's kind of important to us. Like, blessed are you if you hunger and thirst for righteousness or if you are a peacemaker. Um, but look at how different each of the for there is. So let's look at them. There's the kingdom of heaven, shall be comfortable, shall inherit the earth, shall be filled, obtain mercy, shall see God, and be called a son of God. Being a peacemaker is the way that we can be like our dad. And it's important to note that we are all sons and daughters in Christ if we've accepted him. And I want to make that abundantly clear by just reading two verses. So I want to clarify this. We're all sons and daughters in Christ. Galatians 3.26 says, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. And Romans 8.14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So we're already children of God, so why is it so important that he talks about they will be called a son or a daughter of God? It's about the reputation. God is saying that you will have a reputation of being a son or daughter. He's saying that peacemakers have a reputation and have the heart of me, have the heart of the Father. And that's different than the other, you know, kind of then parts of the if-then statements of the Beatitudes. So Jesus even repeats this later on in Matthew 5, um, later on in the same preach. So 543 through 45 says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. That you may be sons of your Father. Loving everyone, being a peacemaker, doing good to even those who hate you, and praying for those that persecute you, that is what a peacemaker does. And that's what it means to have just the, um, the heart of the Father. Thanks. So um, R.T. Kendall wrote um, 
a huge book simply called uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And it's huge. I mean, the Sermon on the Mount is not a long sermon. It's a, one of the longer books of the Bible, or longer, um, you know, Matthew 5. But he writes chapter after chapter on every single word that Jesus spoke in, in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. So I want to just quickly say what R.T. Kendall says about it, about this specific beatitude. He says, It is an unusual anointing to have a role in peacemaking. It is one thing to have an anointing to preach, teach, preside, do well, or have a talent of some kind. It is wonderful to see people delivered, healed, and set free. Have a true anointing to engage in peacemaking, which sets people free, is rare. Peacemaking is a God-approved anointing. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Do we want people to see the Lord in our lives? This is one way we do it. Peace is associated with holiness. Peace is associated with people seeing that we have a supernatural peace that's different than anything they experience. And then they say they want that. We as God's people have to be outwardly focused, and we have to get grasp this concept that this is such an important thing to grasp because it is at the heart of the Father to be a peacemaker. One thing I want to make abundantly clear, um, we're going to dive in, we're going to do two things. Um, we're going to talk about how we get our hearts pure first, so that we can be outwardly focused, and we can be peacemakers. Uh, and then we're going to Throw out some scenarios. R.T. Kendall actually um, put four different scenarios in which we can be peacemakers, both in an active sense and in a passive sense. Both are fine. Both are good. Um, but before we dive into those two things, I wanted to make it clear that being a peacemaker is not a results-oriented task. It's not a peace achiever or a peace insider. It is a peacemaker. And Paul understood this. Paul understood that there's only so much that you can do. There's only so much that's in your court. Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Why would he say, as much as depends on you? Because he understands that the results are not on us. The results are on him. We have a responsibility to be peaceful and seek out ways that we can try to instill peace in others, but the results are not on us. It's about our heart. It's about how we actually approach this and how we actually are intentional about wanting to make peace in other people's lives. So peacemaking does not mean that you should expect actual peace to occur. Um, This is about a heart condition. We either are actively praying for others, as it says in Matthew 5, praying about how we can be a peacemaker, um, or we aren't. And I'd like to challenge you for a second. How much of your prayer lives are for yourself versus for others? Because God makes it abundantly clear in that passage I read in, in Matthew 5 that we're supposed to be praying for enemies. We're supposed to be praying for those who have hurt us. We're supposed to be praying for those persecute us. Um, We're supposed to be praying 
for those we think are just crazy <laughs> that um, you know you're seeing things on Facebook that maybe you're like ah oh, I can't believe that person posted this or that whatever it may be we should be praying for those people um, so it takes a heart of the father to take that next step versus having our human reaction to circumstance and taking that and saying no I'm giving that to the father so like I said we're going to talk first about how you get your heart pure and it's important to note that the beatitude before this blessed are the peacemakers as blessed are the pure in heart and the order is not accidental there's a latter effect to this and so blessed are the pure in heart for they will see god and then next blessed are the peacemakers for they'll have the heart of god so ephesians 4 29 through 32 says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And then James 3.17 says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. When we get our hearts pure before the Lord and address the wounds in our own life and give them to him, we can then start to let that truth from this verse and the instruction from this verse verse actually take hold peacekeeping doesn't marginalize anything that we know about god or peacemaking i did it i did it i knew i was going to say peacekeeping when i meant peacemaking it's impossible it's impossible the beatitudes are here um for a specific purpose the purpose of the Beatitudes is Jesus showing the way of the ungrieved Holy Spirit, that heavenly realm in which the Holy Spirit resides when he is welcomed at home. So let's make sure that we are um, focusing on our own lives, focusing on making our hearts pure. Um, we could do a whole series on that. I hope that most messages that we speak that's kind of the goal, right? <laughs> that our hearts would be pure in the Lord. Um, so I don't have, you know, many bullet points on this, but I just wanted to challenge you. Be sure to prioritize your heart. Make sure that it's pure. Make sure that you are working out life with him so that you can actually work on being a peacemaker. So the, these scenarios um, are really cool. So this is all from R.T. Kendall's book. Um, he wants to let everyone know that being a peacemaker, you can either be a passive participant or an active participant, and both are good. Both are needed. And what I mean by that is there's a special anointing upon someone who the Holy Spirit speaks to and says, that person needs to talk to that person. Because think of all the hurt and pain and confusion and frustration that can come from that if you get it wrong. If I go up to Melody and I say, Melody, I feel the Holy Spirit is saying that you have 
an offense with Jen. And I, I, just, I just felt in my spirit that that, that, that is true. Um, that's a very difficult thing to do. That's a very hard thing to make sure that you got right. Um, because you may not. And then all of a sudden you're frustrated with me because I, you know, I got it wrong and I'm trying to make you feel things that God doesn't want you to feel. And then if Jen catches wind of it, Jen's upset with me as well because I'm, I'm creating some sort of need for peace that doesn't exist. And so that's one of the active ways you can be a peacemaker, but that, that definitely requires that hearing from the Holy Spirit and that, that active anointing from the Holy Spirit. Um, but there's, there's four specific ways the R.T. Kendall suggests that we can be a peacemaker. One is being an active participant by doing what Russ Doty preached about three, three weeks ago. Taking initiative with someone that has hurt you someone with which you have a strained relationship, someone with whom maybe you've given up on. It takes guts. It takes guts. It's hard. It's not exactly what we want to do, but sometimes it's very necessary. Matthew 5, 23 through 24, all of this is from the Sermon on the Mount, which is just awesome. It says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there at the altar, in God's presence, you remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. And guess what? You can be rejected in this. You can be rejected in this. And that's fine. That's fine. You've done the right thing. You have worked to be a peacemaker and that's where the results not being on you is so important. If they don't forgive you, you are still living out Romans 12, 8 that we read earlier, where if you can, you know, do this. And again, the results are not on you. So that's the first piece, being an active participant by listening to the Lord, getting in his presence, and asking him, where are those wounds? Where are those relationships that need mended? And then acting upon them. All right, second, passive participator. So someone comes to you to ask for your cooperation and says, hey, I need to come to you because you have, you have wounded me or you have hurt me or you have sinned against me and I'd like to talk with you about that. Do you say, whoa, woo. Um, do you say, no, I don't, I don't really want to have anything to do, to do with this person, sorry. Or, are you a willing participant? If you're willing to try and connect, that is indeed peacemaking. Your task is to want peace. Your task is to want peace. But it doesn't mean that it will be accomplished. You know, Dan, we're going through a study right now on Keep, Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk, and one of his favorite quotes that I use often is that, you know, the goal of, uh, I, yeah, the, the first goal of conversation is understanding, not agreement. The first goal of your communication with this brother or sister is not to agree with them. Your first goal is to understand. And if they're coming to you in peace and saying, I want to make peace with you, 
If your reaction is not, yes, I, I want the same thing, then you can't have that conversation because you're not in a place where you can truly have that communication. Does that make sense? You with me? All right. All right, so another one, and this is one I, I talked to earlier, um, which really is truly about the anointing of being a peacemaker, is being active with two other people. You decide to take the lead in bringing two people together, two people who are not getting along, and this requires wisdom. And you can't act out of, I'm seeing this. I'm seeing this. What that person did to that person, that's wrong. I'm seeing this. I'm going to do something about it. That's not godly peacemaking. It's saying, it's acting upon the urging of the Holy Spirit to say that these two need to be brought together and they're not going to do it by themselves. That is an active, for, uh, an active way that you can be a peacemaker. James makes this abundantly clear how important this is at the end of his letter in the Bible. So James 5 19 or 5 19 through 20 says brethren if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back let him know that he who turns a sin the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins it is so good to want to do this and this can be true on a one-to-one -one basis but it also can be done on this like active peacemaking um, where you do see the need for two people to reconcile and then lastly, um, you can start friendships. You can be active in starting a friendship or passive when someone tries to start a friendship with you. That's part of peacemaking. That that's, should be at our core. We're supposed to be hospitable. We're supposed to want relationship with other believers. You know, it, it's not an accident that in Acts 2, they talk about how much they did fellowship and how much they loved one another and shared with one another and broke bread with one another. Um, we are stronger together. And so therefore, when we're trying to live out this life, we need each other. We need to um, empower each other and support each other as we all go on this journey together. Um, and so that's, that's a very active and easy way that we can be a peacemaker in our own lives and in the lives of others. So I'm going to land. I'm going to land this. Um, I think it's really, really cool how God said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons or daughters of God. I think that's awesome. Because it says that I have a heart that I want my children to have. And if they have it, that's, it means so much to me as a father. I look back on my personal story. Um, Oftentimes when we have wounds, when we have things that are really scary, we, we have like this barrier up. You know, the thing is like we're like walking on glass and cutting ourselves and hurting ourselves because we're just letting the wound stay. And we think, well, this pain that I'm feeling, it's not as bad as these spikes that I have to get over. They're like, I'm not going to go through a little bit more pain or greater pain to get to the other side where there's freedom. And that's why being a peacemaker is so important. We wound each other. We are wounded. We sin. 
We instill hurt on others. We don't mean to. We do. And sometimes we mean to. <laughs> and we're not willing to actually look at God saying about how important it is to be a peacemaker. We're going to allow ourselves and others to keep walking in this, in this way that they're constantly just a little bit hurt. And their lives are not as good as they could be or not as good as God wants them to be, you know, on the other side of their wound. Jesus sees our sin, but he decided to have grace for us. He forgives us and then speaks life into our potential. Are you doing that with your brother, with your sister, with your wife, with your boss, with your coworker? Are you quick to forgive? Are you quick to just love on those around you or not? I practiced growing up because of my circumstances, and even all the way, even now, I struggle with conflict. And give me, hear me here. No one is like, I love conflict. Let's do it. I mean, it's, it's something that is, it's hard for a lot of people. But it's different between, like, not liking it and truly fearing it. And I absolutely have feared conflict for most of my life. And... I feel like I am not doing my job of, of just having the Father's heart if I allow myself to be hidden, held back by wounds, held back by what has happened to me. You know, I said at the beginning that I, I think I inadvertently was a wound keeper. That's not a sin. It's not something that we're, like, actively trying to do. But instead of being a peacekeeper, as the world would see it, I was being a wound keeper. And the opposite of that is being a peacemaker, being absolutely, abundantly focused on the heart of God and what God wants to do through us as peacemakers with those who are around us. One last way that we can be a peacekeeper, peacemaker, I think is a peacekeeper, which could be cool. Um... <laughs> The last way we can be a peacekeeper, peacemaker. See, I said peacekeeper in my notes. Anyway, peacemaker, pray. 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 Said in that, you know, Matthew 5, 23 through 25, you know, pray for your enemies, pray for others. You know, that's, that's, that's an extremely tangible and easy way that we can just affect others' lives because God wants to intervene on our behalf. He doesn't want us wounded. He doesn't want us hurting. He doesn't want us with emotional pain or physical pain, and therefore he uses us to be peacemakers um, by praying out what he wants us to pray. Um, so that's, that's the last way that I encourage you to just tangibly be a peacemaker in your daily life.